Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Hi, everybody. How are you this morning? Ten minutes after 9 a.m. I'm Andy, and uh, every first Wednesday we get a special visit from Santa Claus. No, it's Dr. David Blodgett. He's not really Santa Claus, but uh, he is. A, I, I always look forward to your visit, Dr. Blodgett. Thanks for coming in today. It's great to be here. I... Uh... Santa Claus, huh? I've never been compared to that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know where that came from. I, you don't look at all like him. Maybe, the maybe same, I do. Maybe That's the, the same, same height. That's about it. Maybe it's the bowl full of jelly. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, the, you know, I love having you on because uh, I, 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 there's so many topics out there that I'm a, kind of a, a, a self-proclaimed, uh, uh, not expert. I'm not an expert. I'm just a, a fan of. But I'm not an expert on, and so if I can, uh, one of the things I've tried to do with this show from the very beginning was bring people on that are pretty much experts in what they do, at least know a lot more than I do, and, and you're certainly uh, qualify under that uh, as a guy that knows more than I do and is actually pretty much an expert. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. We're uh, we're all learning quickly in this environment, so that's there's, great. There's a lot of confusion about COVID-19 because uh, I think social media has turned us into who do we believe? What What is true? What is real? Uh, I mean, you, you take the different drugs that they're talking about, the vaccines that they're working on, the the, the, dr- the treatment drugs that they're giving right now, uh, who needs to wear a mask, who doesn't, how long, how close. It's, I mean, there there's a million questions. And if you go and look on Facebook or, or on the Internet, uh, guess what? You can find the opposite answer to every single one of those questions. Yeah, yeah. And depending on where you look, you can find every opinion under the sun. And it's in everything, you know, yeah, but, but yeah. certainly in this whole COVID debate. debate and, and it's frustrating debacle. to me <laughs> because I want to know, I mean, I'm a seeker of truth. I want to know, okay, what's the real deal? And I mean, let's take hydroxychloroquine. Uh, here's a drug that the president is highly touted that for a while Anthony Fauci touted and now he's not touting and, and we're like okay does it work does it not there's there's a study out there one study refuted said it doesn't work at all now they've retracted that study uh, and yet it's still out there and people are, are buying it and I just don't even know what to think about hydroxychloroquine yeah I, well unfortunately there's just no area that can't be politicized in this mm-hmm. thing and I, I I don't think in the end you'll know the true answer to that question that's I, sad <laughs> I, I and, and maybe it doesn't matter because they've the the therapies are improving and there's lots of options and you know things have have come a long way since then so uh you know just just the addition of basic steroids dexamethasone has really made made it a whole different game you know in treating this thing so so there's there's a lot happening and 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 so what you know in, in the beginning it was kind of let's throw everything at it and see what sticks yeah, now yeah, yeah. now they're settling into patterns of of things that are really helping and not helping and i think most docs uh, <clears throat> don't feel like the hydroxychloroquine did much for the patients they treated but in, in all of this it's a timing thing right so we we're using as much remdesivir as available but that has a timing if you don't get it early on in the course of the disease it just doesn't help much hmm. because the real the real severe symptoms are related to the immune response to the disease not the disease itself and so so if you give them remdesivir you 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 knock down that viral load but it has to be early and most people don't even 
they don't even think about going to the doctor because they're not that sick until they hit that second week. So, and then it's too late. And then really the remdesivir is not going to help. But uh, mm. that's when then steroids and other things help that uh, they've been using. So it, it you know, that it, it's not we tend to think of treatment as well. It's just, this is what you give for that disease. But right. this, you know, that, that's part of the complexity of this is if you're treating this, you've got to, you've got to know where they are in the course of the disease. You've got to know uh, what the current therapies are. They added a lot of, uh, of anticoagulation <clears throat> to the regimen as well for later on in the course of the disease, because that hyper immune response also creates a hypercoagulability where, where blood clots and strokes and you know pulmonary emboli, yeah. all kinds of things can happen in there, and just throwing in a little bit of a of a treatment for coagulation has been shown to help a lot. And but that you don't do that until later in the course of the disease. Right. So, right. so you have to you have to know when and why and all the reasons why you're using things, and <clears throat> we just haven't been able to get there with some of the stuff that could help but nobody really knows because uh, it's become politically taboo to to even talk about that drug anymore so so yeah. uh, how do you how do you account for that i i think overall the consensus has shifted away from hydroxychloroquine though so we're gonna we're gonna take phone calls in the bottom half of the hour uh, so if you want to get your fingers dialing fingers ready uh, after after nine thirty, we'll take some phone calls i wanted to play a little bit of I was going to call it myth or fact, but uh, after hearing your first answer about hydroxychloroquine, uh, the answer isn't myth or fact. The answer is, well, sort of, kind of, a little bit. <laughs> well, and, and 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 that's the way with medicine, yeah, right? It, well, it, it isn't as cut and dried as black and, and white. Unfortunately for us, or fortunately or whatever, you know, the scientific process is. Uh, takes time and needs to be yeah. done correctly, right? And how many things have been done in history that were just plain flat wrong in the name of science just because the the, the data wasn't in yet and the, the actual steps hadn't been taken to understand and and so I, I think that's the cautionary tale here that people are trying to to do and in the environment where they're trying to make things happen very rapidly and and so I I I, I think one of the mo the critical components of the scientific process <clears throat> is humility and willingness to admit you've been wrong on something and move forward in a different direction. And uh, mm. sometimes that's just not part of people's makeup. No, so. and, and especially <clears throat> when there's money on the line, you know, and, and some big billion, multi, maybe trillion dollar drug companies involved, then they don't want to admit they're wrong yeah. or could be wrong. Well, or, when you've got billions of dollars on the line, then mm. being wrong is... Uh, it, drops your stock price or yeah or drops your your prestige in the eyes of your colleagues as a you know i mean there's just different motivations mm. people do different jobs for different reasons and uh, sometimes understanding what those motivations are help you understand how, how they got to the place they are well, and so instead of myth or fact, let's just play. Uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll give you a statement or a question, and maybe you can expound upon that. Uh, okay. And these are probably common ones you hear, and so uh, we'll try not to be too redundant. Uh, number one, uh, going back to school is a good idea or a bad idea. I think we have to go back to school. You know, kids need to be in school. Um, it's for their emotional, physical, and. and intellectual development you just have to have kids in school the governor's made it a central part of his uh, plan to reopen the economy just to have kids in school uh, and I'll, I'll throw out another 
variable on that that, okay. that might surprise you, and that is, <clears throat> and I've told you this before, we're able to identify who gave the disease to somebody the vast majority of the time. Right. And, and so, um, and, and almost always that's in a family type situation, right? Okay. So, so let's say mom and dad need to go to work, school's not in session, where does that kid end up? And his friend's house or... With, gra- with, yeah. with grandma and grandpa, with grandma. right? Oh, right, right, right. And oh, so, just for the day. Yeah, and you're so, right. Yeah, so grandma and grandpa, who are in a high-risk category, now are watching that child um, mm-hmm. instead of having them in school. And they're the ones we're trying to protect, right? And right. so for the child, it's very mild. It's no big deal. For the for the grandparent, it's... Uh, much bigger deal yeah and uh and and that's the kind of scenario that we see unfortunately more more and more frequently as this goes on and so so that's an aspect of school opening that i don't think we've talked very much about that i think is very significant is you know so let let's go to a place that does some sort of blended model where they they maybe they go to school day two days a week or something like that. Where are those kids the rest of that time? Their grandma's right? house. Their grandma's yeah. house, and and that is the one place you do not want them, especially. And, you know, so most of the cases that we're seeing now, out of the thousand, so we are, we we just hit our third thousand. So I I, I can crunch that data again now, hmm. but. Uh, um, out of that thousand, probably eight hundred and seventy-five to nine hundred were under the age of forty, right? And probably a good half were in that kind of uh, fifteen to twenty-five range. And uh, hmm. and so, you know, being careful not to go see grandma and grandpa is really important. But if we shift that, and we know that there's there was a significant chunk of those that were even younger, you know, in, in elementary and grade school, so. Can they spread that to grandma and grandpa? Yes, they can. Is it as efficient, maybe, as adults spreading it? I think that's debatable in the literature. I don't know that there's a full answer to that question, but but certainly nobody's saying there's no possibility of spread there. And so, uh, so you got to be careful. All of it's about, you know, how do we protect those that are most vulnerable to this, that end up in the hospital, that that end up on a ventilator, that end up dying, you know. And so we've certainly seen that in our numbers. Um, boy, we, we had it hit a nursing home or two, and, you know, yeah. our numbers doubled within a week, you know. And it's just a matter of of those most vulnerable people that uh, end up, end up uh, having significant disease, and it hits rapidly, and, uh, and, and then, you know, the, the families are you know and everybody's left behind and so that you know you don't want to be the one that takes it to your your elderly grandparent or sure. mother or father or something like that you always gotta that's part of this equation that i think if we really want to be doing the best job we can it's it's those that are most vulnerable that need to be protected so well i guess the other side of that people could argue well if we send them to school they're going to see grandma and grandpa anyway on the weekends and uh going sending them to school would expose them to more of the uh, chance to to get the disease and then spread it to grandma and grandpa. So I see what you're saying because they are going to spend, if they're not in school, they're probably, uh, you know, a vast majority of kids are going to be babysat, especially if they're not, you know, not over the age of 10 or 11, they're going to be at grandma and grandpa's right. house. But Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I could, I could see people saying, well, they're going to go there anyway. Well, they, they can, and, yeah. and they could. That's part of the messaging, though, you know, right, is... <laughs> Right. So my kids, if we ever go see my parents, they 
we go out on the back porch and they yeah. you know they keep away from us but we get to talk to chat you know it's understanding this disease is really important and part of that is outside is better than inside six feet is you know important masks when you can't keep that six feet really helps with that you know delivery of of droplets and aerosol to other people and that's what's spreading this disease so it's that six feet for for 15 minutes that's 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 the metric we use when we contact trace it's the it, it's the the data is all coalescing around that idea that you just don't spread this by walking by somebody but it's it's that you know close radius of six feet for an extended period of time so. hey i want to talk about vaccines in a minute but right now something that's been uh, kind of big in the news is uh sporting events uh the you go to you know major league baseball nba there's no crowds uh, they're still banging and getting together against each other, and you figure it's going to spread that way. And it has some with some of the baseball teams. But um, high school football here in the area, very important uh, to this town, to Cedar City. Uh, even, you know, you go up to Beaver and, and some of those towns. High school sports is very important, especially football. Uh, I had Craig Hammer on. Uh, from the, He's the chairman of the Washington County School Board. He said there will be football unless something big happens. He said it's a fluid situation. You never know. But there will be football uh, and there will be crowds. Uh, now, they're going to do some things to try to social distance. But is this a bad idea, Dr. Blodgett? Well... What's what's a good idea anymore, right? So, <laughs> That's right. So, so I... I <laughs> And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I didn't mean to yeah. imply that. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I've chosen to approach this from the what's allowed under the current rule standpoint, right? Okay. And so under the current rules, that's allowed, right? We're allowed to have a crowd of up to 6,000 people. Um, Which we in, won't in, get close to that in, in high school. Yeah, yeah, in an organized gathering. Uh, the recommendation is that you socially distance, and if you do that, you don't have to have a mask. If you can't keep that six-foot distancing, then you wear a mask. Um, right. And so from from the standpoint of the rule and what the governor's allowed in the current rule and all of that, um, all of those gatherings are allowed, right? Now, that doesn't mean that some places haven't uh, tried to interpret that more strictly, and, and I don't understand that um right because that that's just a, a government bureaucrat injecting himself you know where where the rule is pretty clear i think you know and so um so uh that's that's the standard that we'll be using is the standard that's there in the yellow guidance and uh we'll we'll move forward with that idea and that's what we've used for for all of the activities here, there isn't really a, there's no sign off from the health officer that says, oh, we approve this, number one, because we couldn't. There's just too many things going on. Yeah. But there is this idea that events will self-certify, right? There's a form that they fill out and they go in and there's a checklist of all the things they need to do to meet the requirements that the governor has set out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they keep it available in case somebody wants to ask them questions about whether they're doing that. But once they've met that standard, they're allowed to proceed under the current rule. So, but, but but I know you pretty well. I know there are things that you don't necessarily agree with, and I don't want to get you in trouble with your bosses or anything, but how do you resolve that for yourself, Dr. Blodgett? When you see something, you go, we really shouldn't be doing it that way. <laughs> you just have to yeah. bite the bullet and yeah. keep going. Or- <laughs> Uh, we're ever we're all trying to do the best we can yeah. with the difficult good, situation. Good answer. Um, I you know, and there are no perfect solutions mm-hmm. to any of this. I, I think there's just, and unfortunately, 
you know, most people tend to pick the part that they're most passionate about, and that's the thing that they want to call everybody else an idiot about, right? right. But they forget right. that there's other sides to all of this. I, I will say this, though, that as we crunch our data and we watch and we make, you know, decisions and uh, we look at the people that we're talking to, there just there isn't a ton of evidence. There's um, there's really no evidence that there's a lot of spread going on in these outdoor venues. It it's it really is about families. You know, somebody picks it up at work or something in a close situation, which is actually a pretty small percentage of the cases. But then they take it back to their family and then they spread it to everybody in their family. And and so so we'll have big events and then we'll watch, you know, for the two weeks after that just to see if there's a bunch of people reporting that that's where they were or where that's mm. where they thought they got exposed. And there just isn't very much of that. So it really is a reality that when you're outside, that air circulation does a lot. You yeah, know, and yeah. and if you're doing basic things to try and keep as far away from other people as you can, if you're wearing a mask, your your chances of spreading are just very small, and you and we need to account for that and 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 allow some of these things to happen. So, all right, let's talk about vaccinations. By the way, we'll take phone calls after the weather break here in about five or ten minutes. Uh, vaccinations. Um, yeah, I know you have been personally frustrated with the fact that we have a flu vaccine, and what's the, what's the number? Forty percent is the is the number yeah. of people that actually get it a you, vaccine. Usually closer to thirty percent uh, for us. Yeah, fr- frustrating as can be, knowing there's something out there that could kill you that you just uh, I'm not doing it. Or, yeah, and it's not. I, my impression is it's not people saying I'm against vaccines. It's people eh, I can't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, there are there's certainly a, a, a chunk of people that have their reasons for being fairly um, against vaccination. I you know I don't agree with that obviously, but the, mm-hmm. but the, but then there is a, a, a more substantial chunk of the population that just doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Why bother? So, <laughs> I, I don't have I don't, I don't have ten bucks, or I don't have time, or I don't. It hurts, or <laughs> yeah. So so this year. Um, the push will be to try and get as many people vaccinated for the flu as we can simply because you you don't want to overlap a, a resurgence of COVID-19, which is what it'll be in that same time period as flu because it'll hit in cold and flu season. So, so if we can get more people vaccinated for flu and there's less flu that's hitting the hospitals, that will really help with the, mm-hmm. the COVID situation. Uh, but I, I think fall, you know, November, December, January are going to be very uh, interesting times. As uh, yeah, we get doubled you know, up. These, a little these bit. respiratory viruses just they spread more easily. They're just mm-hmm. more present, and it'll, it'll and, and it'll be more difficult to decide what you're looking at as a physician, right? Because oh, they boy. all have the same symptoms, yeah. and and you know, so you've got people coming in, and we. You know, most people don't know this, but we hit, you know, 100% of occupancy in the hospital every year during flu season. It's just really? the way it works, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, then you start throwing COVID on top of that. It really creates some difficulties for uh, for all of us that that uh, are in the process of treating that. So, so the principles we're learning now are important about, you know, how to not spread disease, get that flu vaccine. So you we'll, said we're learning now. You've been saying this for a long time. So we, we're not learning them now. We're supposed to be, well, have learned them a long time ago. So, Well, we're learning the scientific principles. And, and, <laughs> okay. and whether or not people learn from that is uh, is another question. But the yeah. principles are pretty simple, right? Wash your hands. Uh, go to, Do not go expose a bunch of people when you're sick. There's just mm. lots of better. Yeah, stay home for crying out loud. 
and uh, you know we're, we've added the, the mask idea to this, and uh, I, I think that's sound. Uh, and and then we'll add a vaccine as soon as it's possible. But uh, you know the data's been good, and you know they've been working on an HIV virus vaccine for. 50 years now and haven't been able to get one and you know if we can pull one out in nine months that's like that that's 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 a miracle right and and the the pace of scientific discovery through this process has been absolutely astounding it's even even from 2003 when SARS-1 hit to now the difference in the pace of capacity is just really staggering and and so no at no time in history have we been able to do anything like what's happened with SARS uh, with co- with COVID nineteen and right. and uh, I, I you know the the media doesn't want to give that credit or acknowledge that or make it sound like anything's happened but from a scientific standpoint from somebody watching this who's got some <laughs> years of experience this has been an entirely different uh, experience scientifically as far as the capacity for science to just move very 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 quickly and and contrary to the popular political wisdom of the day that's really been facilitated by the federal government and what they've been doing so um hats off to them and and you compare it to uh, they say the biggest technological advances in the world have come during our world wars when when they had to advance or die basically and and that's kind of where we've been with this pandemic so yeah we've known about viruses but we haven't done a good job of tracking them and and uh, learning about that until this time and now the 30,000 scientific publications, you know, just, uh, you know, billions of dollars being spent, but uh, but the man hours that have gone into this and just the advancement in science has been really actually breathtaking to behold. All right, we've got to take a break and get a weather break in. We're with Dr. David Blodgett, the director of the Southwest Utah Public Health Department, and pretty good guy, too. He even has a matching tie to his jacket. looks really sharp, folks. You guys should see it. Welcome back. I'm Andy Griffin. This is the Andy Griffin Show. And thanks to all who waved and said hi at the parade, the Washington County Fair Parade uh, yesterday. Uh, Dr. Blodgett was talking a minute ago about uh, the fact that outdoors seem to be a little safer. And uh, there were, I, I would guesstimate, 10,000 people that lined the parade route last night, Dr. Blodgett. And uh, maybe 500 of them had masks on. So... And that's probably a little high on the masks. Yeah. Well, you but you hope people are spacing out. We were know, outside. Yeah. They're in their family groups, and there's space in between. All of the parade routes so far have been lengthening out, so there's yeah, more yeah, space this one was for longer, people. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, you know, you teach. You, you, the principles are there, and you you hope people, you know are open to them <laughs> we we talked about vaccines a little bit uh, as far as the flu what about this vaccine for uh covid19 everybody not everybody a lot of people seem to think once we have a vaccine uh all our problems are solved that's not really the case is it well uh, unfortunately you know the, well let me, there's good news there because I, I think vac- the vaccine will be an, an ultimate solution there really okay yeah um the the only the only caution there is so the Trump administration has for has prepaid for some vaccines and I don't know if we talked about this concept but they've 
instead of usually how this works is the the company will invest they'll figure out wh- which vaccine is going to work they put it through the process mm-hmm. you know it's several hundred million dollars and then once they finally get a vaccine then they'll produce it and sell it the what's happening for three or four companies though Pre-order. they're calling it warp speed <laughs> <laughs> uh, star trek reference i guess so I guess. um is that they're they're, they're pre- it's prepaid for so um <clears throat> so they basically even before the vaccine gets approved if it looks pretty promising in those phase one trials they'll they're paying to have that produced doesn't that taint the legitimacy of the study though if they've already got the money in the hand in hand no well they still have to do all the, they still have to prove everything right okay. and okay. so 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 but instead of instead of producing it after everything gets done they're producing it at the same time and so they're willing to do that because the federal government is saying, well, if it doesn't work and we can't use the vaccine, we just have to trash it, then we'll pay for it, not you, hmm. right? And, okay. But then if it does work and they can, you know, they can get reimbursed for it and all that stuff, then the government won't pay for it, right? So it's a, right. it's an insurance – basically, we've become the insurance company. <laughs> a big one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a big chunk. Billions. Yeah, just – just for the aspect of getting this vaccine done as quickly as possible. So that will that will cut that whole year to two process to ramp up the manufacturing process and figure out how to produce the vaccine out, right? So that's one of the reasons that uh, there's more optimism about uh, the vaccine coming out sooner. And and then there's just a ton of interest in this, right? Last last count when I looked on the website, there were 178 vaccine candidates being worked on wow. worldwide. Some countries have decided, you know what, we're just not caring about safety. We're just going to vaccinate. So I, I noticed that uh, places like in the in China and, and Russia, they're they're just vaccinating people with the vaccine and, <laughs> and hoping that they who knows that, whether, whether it's fall. safe or not. So yeah. so that's not how we've chosen to do this. But um, uh, that's that. There's you know, it's not going to be the same approach worldwide. It's it's just not the way it is. So. Well, I, I think I, I speak not for the American public, but for myself, but I'm glad we're being a little bit careful. Yeah. I don't want to, uh, having seen, you know, with my mom passing away where she got a, a lung problem, a, a lung situation from, and she, we don't even know where it came from. She died of lung disease, but she never smoked a cigarette in her life. Yeah. Or anything. We don't know where it came from. There are things that you do now, whether you're 10 years old or 40 years old or 54 like me, that may have a, a long-term effect and may kill you. It may not sure. kill you this month, but it might kill you next year or 10 years or in 50 years. Yeah, I mean, you want to understand the science behind it and what's mm-hmm. going on there. I and mean, fortunately, we have a lot of, of um, history with vaccines, um, but each vaccine for each disease is a little bit different, right? And you have to just make sure you've you've uh, done that safety analysis and, and that's what will take some time before the vaccine comes out. So. All right. Uh, people really want to talk to you, Doc. And, and so we're going to take a couple of phone calls and uh, hopefully everybody, everybody will be civil. I know you, you've you been pretty stressed, but uh, let's take some calls. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Dr. Blunt. Hey, Doc. How's it going? Good. Hey, question for you on the reporting side of things. Um, so say someone gets a false positive. And that's counted as COVID, a new case of COVID. And they come back and retest on the negative. Is there any way where they go back and take that positive off? Or do they just leave it as a positive case, even though it was a false positive? And is there money behind that factor is what I'm trying to ask. 
on more positive numbers. Uh, so, uh, let me. So no, we wouldn't take it off in that situation because people go from positive to negative all the time, and it's really hard to know. Is there the possibility for a few false positives? Maybe. Um, the particular test that most people are using, the the rapid uh, PCR test, has a really low number for false positives, right? So it has a very high specificity, it's called, in the language of epidemiology. And so, so generally, uh, there just isn't a lot of false positives. The, the, you know, the, the, the science is that it can detect... I think down to a, a hundred base pairs that are, you know, consistent with COVID-19. And so uh, I, I don't worry nearly as much about false yeah. positives as false negatives. Um, oh, and, yeah, that'd be huge. And, and so we actually yeah. see a lot more that we think are probably false negatives. The, the, the question of is there a few false positives? Maybe, um, but I, there isn't really a mechanism to screen for that, you know, uh, yeah. until, until we get a lot more rapid testing, then, you know, we just don't have the capacity to do that. And then so. also, I know this one's going to kind of bother you a little bit on this question, so I apologize. Is a lot of this reporting being done financially based driven for people to say, you hear it all the time, you know, someone dies in a car crash, they test positive for COVID. They listed as COVID. Are we having a lot of cases of that happening around the state of misreporting due to financial gain, possibly from CARE Act money? Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. You don't, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to quantify things like that. I, 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 I will say it this way, and Andy's asked this question before, and. If if somebody so it's all based on what a doctor writes on the death certificate, right? And so, sure. so and generally, what you do when you fill out a death certificate is you put everything down that was present that uh, might have been a contributing factor to their death, whether it was the main reason or not. And and so there's there's five lines there, six lines there. So generally, you know, you sit down, you say, well, this person, they they died from, you know pneumonia or whatever and and maybe some somewhere down the line if they've tested for covid it ends up on there and then that gets counted as a covid related situation um every time so is there money tied to that or so it, you, you'll have to have somebody come in that understands the finances okay better okay. than i do you're a doctor but, so, so there isn't a financial incentive to return a positive test from a testing company. So, like you drive through over there, you know, with uh, IC or something like that. There, there isn't. They don't get paid based on their number of positive cases or anything. Like that. They just get paid to do the test. Right. If you admit somebody to the hospital and they have a COVID diagnosis, they um, they get paid a, a an extra stipend to do that. It's a forty percent bonus. Well, so, hmm. um, so. Part of the reason for that is these patients, at least initially, stayed in the hospital forever, right? And the, the federal government tends to pay on on a diagnostic not diagnostic code. So, you know, it's a hospitalization for an upper respiratory tract infection, and and to have somebody you know in the hospital for for two months, you know, and you only get a paid a set amount. It was you know they wanted to make sure that there was the capacity to to pay for you know people getting treated for COVID. Uh, but whether whether or not that's created um, 
you know, the, the assumption is that's created some bad, uh, bad, bad motives for people. Right. But, but I, right. I don't, I don't know how you quantify that. I, I certainly haven't seen that here. I don't think that oh, that motivates anything that's happening here. Uh, but um, well, and you addressed it early on in the show that unfortunately some of these things get politicized, right? And so, that, and then we all kind of get our hackles up and we get, oh, well, they did that because they're a liberal, or they did that because they're a conservative, and and it kind of skews uh, what happens. And we we hope that motives are pure; they're not always. I'm yeah. sure. Well, you know, and you know, people need to pay bill, be able to pay the bills to keep you know people employed and all sure. that stuff in the medical profession as well. And I, I just, I, I haven't, I, I don't, I haven't, from my standpoint, from where I sit and from the data I look at and stuff like that, I haven't picked up any, any motivation to make that part of the equation. Hmm. You know, here you don't you don't I, get I, like I, a free boat if you if you treat so many COVID. That's, that's that's not. That's not the, the the metric, and I I think if you want a little bit of evidence that from that you 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 look at the doctors here out of Dixie Regional and the things they're saying about you know please you know protect yourself from COVID and stay out of the hospital. We just don't want you here. You know, so that's so, true. That's true. So if, I, if they got a, a big bonus, they'd be like, hey, everybody, kiss each other on the mouth. Let's do this, yeah, right? I, and it's not that kind of situation. Yeah. I I. I I just haven't I haven't seen the evidence that that's, that's what's going on. That's a good answer. All right, let's take one more call and then we gotta get a commercial break in. Caller, you're on with Andy with Dr. Blodgett. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for being there. Uh you don't need to respond to this, but there was a an article about from a government official that did say that hospitals do get money for the 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 a COVID thing on the death certificates. But what 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 I called about was you know, I don't understand this thing about the crowds and all this stuff. Uh, I mean, you know, the largest retailer here is Walmart, and the one in Bloomington is by far the busiest. And they're allowed to have a thousand, almost a thousand people in that store at a time. And on busy times, there's like 300 people an hour going in and out. And I don't know if you can tie any cases to 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 that store or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's all on theory, and it's all based on on what the governor's decided to do (laughs) about certain situations where they see things happen statewide. So sometimes I don't know how to comment exactly on on some of these issues, but uh, yeah, well, you know, until recently, the stores didn't even require masks. Yeah, you'd go in there, and people would be. You know, shoulder to shoulder shopping. Yeah, I do think. And, and, and I just, you know, and as a person who looks at what I'm supposed to do and what's already happening and everything else, it's really very confusing. Yeah, I, I, I inconsistencies in in how we've based the guidance, you know, drives me crazy too. You know, <laughs> there, yeah. there's basic principles we should operate from, and then. You know, all the exceptions or all the this is a special rule here kind of thing. I, I think it's confusing and people don't understand it. And, you know, I spend half my day trying to figure out how to make it work, you know. And yeah. so, so you know, I, I think we're trying. I think the governor's office is trying to get to a place of more consistency. You see an update on the rules, you know, once a week almost. And But... Mm. But, you know, one of the principles that's clear is if you're outside and you're, 
you know, they're, 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 the risk of spread is just far less than if you're inside. If you're in a close contact, far less than if you're, you know, just moving around each other in space uh, a little bit, you know, the way it happens in most of our interactions with people. So so I, 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 I hear that concern, um, and, I, and I, I certainly have been one that's tried to advocate, you know, for some, you know, reasonable consistency to some of these things and ask some questions on, well, where does this come from versus that? And, and sometimes yeah. sometimes it's just, you know, there's some political factors behind some of A it. Lot and of them. there's some uh, desires to see some things happen that need to happen. And you just say, well, that's a risk we're willing to take, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad I'm not necessarily the one making those decisions most of the time. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, have you been up to the outlet malls at Park City up there? Uh, yeah, Campbell yeah. Junction. Uh, we not, were up there. Recently, we were up there a couple of weeks ago, uh, and everyone wore a mask. It's required in Summit County, by the way. Uh, even outdoor, which I thought was interesting. You're walking along the concourse, and nobody's within 20 feet of you, and everybody had masks on. Uh, but uh, they had they had store limitations, a number of people based on square feet, uh, how many people they could have in their store. Wasn't a huge factor in most of the stores, but there were two or three popular stores, in, including the what, what used to be our favorite store, the Nike store. You can go get Nikes for half price, basically. Uh, they had, have you ever been to a fancy restaurant where they have an hour-long wait list and people lined up and yeah, everything? Yeah. That's what the Nike store was yeah. like when, when, when we went there. And so I thought it was really interesting that... Uh, number one, that they had that rule, and, and you know, and, and uh, I, I understand the reasoning behind it, but that people were willing to sit out there, and it was not hot, and not like here, it was eighty degrees instead of a hundred, but uh, it was not cool, and people stood out there for uh, hours at a time just so they could go and buy a Nike. And, yeah, uh, under COVID rules, it was I, interesting. I, uh, like I say, sometimes I don't get it. You know, I. I, I I think about this almost twenty four seven now these days, and some, even while some, you're sometimes, sleeping, yeah. sometimes the 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 hairs that have been split just don't make any sense at all, especially with the current data. And mm-hmm. I, I hope we'll be more consistent about that as we go forward. So, okay, we need to uh, get one more commercial break in. We're with Doctor David Blodgett, always a gracious uh, guest, and I, I I've told you this before. Maybe I only told you off the air, but uh, I I stress a lot about this show. It's my job to be get stressed. Yeah. Make sure guests are lined up, make sure they're actually going to show up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and there's usually only a couple of days a month where I don't stress out. And when you come, I know, all right, oh. Dr. Blodgett has it covered. That's a nice, so, that's a nice compliment. Thank yes, you all. You, uh, I do not get nervous that. for for this show because I know you're <laughs> you're going to show up. Although there was a couple of times you showed up at like one minute before we were on the air. You did make me a little nervous for, for that. That was a while ago. Though. Well, that's that whole commute. You never know how it's going to go. You know? That's right. It'll shut down the freeway on you. All right. We'll, uh, we'll take a quick break and more with Dr. Blodgett. Uh, good chance now to thank uh, Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a loan consultant. His focus is customer service. And uh, Joe Shoney, has, uh, he's put himself out there. He said, look, I, I'll go to socialsurvey.me website and I will let you please review me. 400 people now have chosen to re- review Dr. Shoney, or not Dr. Shoney, Joe Shoney, and is Average is an astounding 4.92 out of five stars on reviews. A couple of new ones. This is uh, Richard. Uh, Richard says, Joe was clear about documentation that was needed for the process and helpful in explaining different financing options that were available. I would highly recommend Joe and his team. We had a great experience. Five stars. Five stars. uh, This is from Paige. Paige said, Joe and Sue can get almost any loan done in the area. They always seem to find a way to get the loan finalized and help people start living the dream of home ownership. And then 
one more. Morella. Morella says, Jonah's team were super helpful and on the ball. Thank you all. Those are all five-star reviews. Well, you'd have to get a lot of five-stars if you're going to average 4.92 out of five-stars. That's Joe Shoney. His phone number is 435-590-6300. Welcome back. Down to the last three or four minutes of the show. Uh, one of my favorite shows every month is when Dr. Blodgett comes on with me. Dr. Blodgett, uh, I had him there almost every week there in, in March and April. Yeah. And then I let you get away, and now we're back down to once a month. But uh, And you were, you were gracious enough to do the, do the show by phone a couple of times or do half of the show by phone or whatever, and I appreciate that. No, thank um, you. It's a great opportunity to get the word out. I, I've had a couple of different epidemiologists on the show, and uh, you don't have to comment comment on this, but I found epidemiologists to be uh, a little bit, uh, uh, have the pessimistic mindset. And, and, and that's their job is to, this is the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's usually the only view they, they give, it seems like, when I have them on the yeah, show. Yeah, well, and, you know, so I, I've used this quote, but it's true. All, all models are wrong. And yeah. uh, they've certainly been spectacularly wrong in this scenario. And, um, you know, I, so, some of the, some of the, ways that this gets portrayed just absolutely kills me you know so Mm -hmm. you know example well last week the headlines were texas has more cases than new york right right so new york state and so but if you compare the number of fatalities new york state had 30 almost thirty three thousand fatalities Texas is in the 4,000-ish range. I'm not sure where they so haven't checked them for weeks. but Nine uh, times fewer. Yes. And, and so it's not the same, right? It just was not the same scenario. And yet, uh, you know, they don't give that caveat of a little bit of clarity of, of where you're at. And so, you know, I've, I've been in the journalism industry my whole life. I've been a writer and uh, it's easy to miss, uh, not misquote, to take quotes out of context. And I've been, I, I think I've been very careful in my career not to take quotes out of context. Uh, but um, I, I see that and I think, okay, I, I would not want to talk to these people. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to say anything to them because they're going to, they're going to, Tilt it toward what they their agenda is. We, we have to be careful to analyze what people are trying to say when they say things to us. That's exactly correct. And um, and and so you know this this latest uh, and and then you know the the drop off has been dramatic here in Utah. If you've been tracking yeah. the numbers, you yeah. know we're here in Southwest. You know, three weeks ago, our average cases per day was in the 60s, and now we're in the 30s, right? Yeah. And so that doesn't mean it's gone away. It doesn't mean we don't have to say, oh, it's, you know, it's open it's season, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's not the, what I'm saying. But I, but I do think there's, there's reason to say, look, we, we understand some things, and, <laughs> and this isn't right. going up and up and up forever. They, they, there's actually a law in epidemiology that says that epidemics go up and then they come down, you know. <laughs> And, yeah. and it's it started on the downward spiral in some ways, and we don't want it to go back up. And 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 all of the messages are the same: you wash your hands, you wear your mask, you all of, you know, stay away from people, and you don't certainly when you're sick stay home. For crying out loud, that's the one that always bugs me the worst. But um, well, uh, and, and and to that end, I mean, it's been pounded. We're down to the last minute. It's been pounded in our heads: you go, you work, you work. I mean, that's that's American yeah. society. You work through it. You you know, suck it up. I you know, a little kid, you get you fall down, skin your knee, you rub some yeah. dirt on it, keep going. You know, and that's kind of how it is. Well, with work well, for the moment, if you're sick, stay home. Stay home, right? So, yeah. 
We are having extra shootouts this year to practice for COVID for the vaccine that's coming. So look for those announcements. We'd really okay. like to encourage you to come through. We're going to do drive-through ones in cars. We're also going to walk-up ones where we'll we'll get that model that really puts people rapidly through and we'll train our staff. We've got about half of our staff that haven't ever done a shootout, you know. Mm. We've had a lot of turmoil this year as well as, well as everybody. And so, so that would be a good opportunity for us to train, just so you know. All right. He's Dr. David Blodgett. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for listening today.